Let the stories and teachings of today's top Christian leaders inspire and move you to releasing God's best for your life. With your host, best-selling author and certified Christian life coach, Jay Marsh. Welcome to Your Blessed Life. Hey, Blessed Nation, welcome to today's show. I'm excited that you get to be here with us today. I have a guest that I can't wait to introduce to you, so I'm going to get right to it. Blessed Nation, I want to introduce to you Sharon Spano. Sharon, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Jay. It's great to be here. Well, I'm glad to have you here. And, you know, we were doing a little chat in pre-show, and we have a lot of exciting stuff to talk about. Um, But before we get into maybe some of the details, I want not only for myself, but for the community here at Your Blessed Life, I want them to get to know you a little bit. So let me, let me share with them some of the things that I know, and then I'll have you come back and fill in some gaps. Would that be okay? That sounds perfect. Okay. Awesome. So I know that many moons ago that you were from Los Angeles, but now you're, you're in Florida, just outside Orlando. Is that right? Yes. I live in Heathrow. Okay. In Heathrow. All right. And we were talking about your uh, your family life, and I know you've been married a couple of years. Aren't y'all newlyweds? <laughs> yeah, a couple decades, more more than a couple. What? How many? Forty? I've lost track, honestly, but I think it's forty three somewhere in there. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's awesome. That's amazing. Forty forty anything is amazing. So, you know, you know, whenever I'm doing a wedding, I always like to kind of do a barometer check with folks and ask, all right, so. Who's the serious veterans here? And I have them raise their hand, you know, if they're over 30, 40 years. So when we get to 40, at the end of the of the ceremony, I'm talking to those folks. I want to know, what'd you do to make it this long? So kudos to you for for uh, 40 plus years. Yeah, I mean, it, it's hard to believe it's been that long because it went so quickly. Yeah, it does. It does fly, doesn't it? It does. Well, let me share a little bit more with Blessed Nation about you. So... And I think this is something that intrigues me because being a coach, um, it jumps out at me. So I know that you are um, a certified professional integral coach. So t- tell tell me and tell us, what does that mean? Break that down for us. What is that? Well, it's based on something called integral theory. It's very complex, but it, it goes beyond um, looking at goals and objectives like, like many, many things do. We're really looking... And it's based actually on the work of Ken Wilber, who's one of the world's most renowned philosophers. And it's linked to my uh, doctoral work, which is in adult human development. So we're really looking at the meaning-making systems of individuals and how they form paradigms. And it's it's really about helping them shift to a new way of being, shift their consciousness, if you, if you will. It's less about me holding them accountable and more about just my creating space for them uh, to flourish in whatever specific topic, you know, we, we decide to focus on. And there's a lot of co-creation involved. It's probably the most transformational uh, work that I've ever engaged in in my entire career. And I'm seeing amazing results from it. So it's it's very exciting. But I, I primarily went in this direction because it aligned with my doctoral work in human and organizational systems. Okay, so that that idea of human development was that what spawned so i know you have a book coming out here in the next couple of months um the pursuit of time and money so is that related to this human development idea 
Yes, it is, because what we know from the research in human development is that people in what we call the early stages of development um, have different paradigms about time and money. So I'm looking at the experience of time and money through the developmental lens. And my, my goal there is to help people kind of open the internal dialogue, the conversation, if you will, about where they are on the spectrum between scarcity and abundance and how it may be impacting their, their choices in the here and now. So we get in quite a bit into the developmental stages. There are 12 of them that we know of. Um, but I do it in a way that's that's not overwhelming or, or too complex. I mean, it, it's done in a way that people can really identify where they are uh, so that they can move forward. Well, you know, that that topic right there, those two, you know, you got one in and the other. You got scarcity and abundance. Not only is that an interesting topic, but, you know, quite frankly, in Christian circles, that can be a well, maybe a controversial topic. So I know that we're not going to dive into that per se, but that's a conversation that would be fun for us to have down the road. Would love to have it. Yeah, that's a fun conversation. Well, so we've got to know a little bit about you personally, a little bit about your work. So let's change gears a little bit and tell me something that not everyone knows about Sharon. Maybe a fun fact, a secret talent, a hidden talent. Tell us something not everyone knows about Sharon. <laughs> well, that's a great question, Jay, because I think most people are used to seeing me. I have a background as a certified professional speaker as well. And most people are used to seeing me up on a platform in a suit or, you know, in a coaching environment or a consulting environment where I'm dressed up in heels in a suit. Actually, the thing that they don't know is I have a background also in competitive um, uh, horses. I used to ride horses competitively. I did dressage and hunter jumper for about 15 years. And um, while people always see me clean and polished, what I really love is to be in a barn uh, cleaning out <laughs> horse hooves and um, you know grooming horses. And I don't I don't get to do it much anymore. But um, I love being dirty and sweaty with a horse in a barn somewhere if I can. Yeah, you know what that sounds like, Sharon. That sounds like good one-on-one -on -one me time and 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 me therapy. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I like you know me therapy for me is getting outside and running or kind of messing around tending to a would-be garden. That's the kind of therapy that gives me a time for to my own thoughts. Exactly. Horses yeah, well, can't talk back, so <laughs> they're they're great company. Yeah, indeed. Well, that's cool. Thank you for sharing that fun fact with us. That is. That is interesting to know. Well, so we've got to know a little bit about you from, I guess, all facets, but we're going to kind of change it a little bit and talk about a facet from the inside out as we talk about really your daily personal walk in Christ. And I know that's some personal stuff. Are you all right if we go there? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Well, great. Well, so we're going to hit these three major areas, Sharon. We're going to talk about faith. We're going to talk about hope and promise. And then at the end, we'll sprinkle in a few nuggets of wisdom. And so as we get that going, we open the conversation up with faith and maybe a little bit different approach from faith. And this is really a story. It's, it's a story of when your faith, well, quite frankly, it was stretched. It was, you ever heard that expression, Sharon, uh, being in the proverbial pit? Yes. Uh -huh. Well, I think a lot of us um, have been in some type of a pit that we felt like we couldn't climb out of, that there was no end in sight. Um, and I want to talk about a challenge in your life that really stretched your faith. Um, you have anything in mind that you'd like to be willing to share with us? Absolutely. I think um, 
You know, it's an interesting thing because I was brought up in a Catholic background. I went to Catholic school for 12 years and then moved away from the church uh, just for no other reason other than um, it just wasn't, I, I wasn't really getting anywhere in it. I needed something beyond what that specific, um, you know, discipline was offering. And I didn't know where to go with that. But what, what I would say is when our son Michael was born, uh, he was born with a very rare metabolic disorder. And so I was outside the church at that time. I wasn't outside of God, though, and God never left me. And by that, I mean, um, I never had anger at, at God or I never thought, why me? Why did you know God give us a child with this, this illness? Because it was life threatening. We were told Michael would live to the age of two. So I, I wasn't in the church at the time, uh, but I was at a place where I thought I could control and fix this on my own. And I wasn't going to God for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know that I was so much challenged by my faith. Um, and then I wasn't wrestling with God, if that makes sense, but right. I wasn't going to him either. And I didn't know how to pray. I didn't know how to go to him. And I think the, the, the deepest part was I didn't feel or know a God relationally such that I felt he would care enough to intervene in my life. That would come later. Uh, as my son grew and developed and we got into to other issues. But um, so that was an interesting time through, throughout most of my son's life and the many challenges we were facing. When when Michael, though, went into middle school, I began to see that I, I could, <laughs> uh, surprise, surprise, you're not in control, right? And he was wheelchair bound and there were a lot of uh, complexities around all of that. And I began to go back to church for my son um, because he wanted to go back. He, he was wow. interested. He was very spiritual and he was wanting something that I couldn't give him or my husband and I didn't know how to give him in our home environment. So I, I uh, started going to uh, Northland Distributed Church for Michael. And I like to joke uh, now that, you know, Michael was the one that brought us back to the Lord because he, he really did. We, mm-hmm. I was going for my son and in that process um, really began to see that I wasn't equipped to be the spiritual uh, mother, the leader, if you will, of of my boy um, without this church community. And it changed everything for us because he was about I think he was in the fourth or fifth grade when we when we came to this non-denominational church. And it was there that I started to see, you know, really why I had left the Catholic Church. I love the tradition and I'm so blessed to have been brought up in that. But I needed to understand life application of Scripture. And, of course, they didn't do that back then. And that's what uh, Northland and my pastor provided for our family. And um, it was it was just huge for us because as Michael um, got older, as you know, my son passed away in 2008. Um, God was there for me in ways that I just can't even describe, that he literally carried us through. We had many, many spiritual, deep, profound experiences through Michael's illness as a family and individually that um, carried us through those most trying days because he was critical for the last four years of his life. I mean, we literally lived in and out of hospitals and he suffered uh, in ways that I had never seen anyone suffer before. He went from 110 pounds down to about 40 pounds. Oh my. Yeah. So it was, it was quite a, excuse me. It was quite a dramatic um, departure, if you will. But, but really and truly, the Lord carried us through his last 17 days were um, such a sacred time. And we um, truly, truly knew the, the Lord's presence through every moment of, of that transition. 
and and then even after. So challenge, yes, there's a challenge there for sure. Oh. But I think I, I kind of even, you know, shared a bit of, of, of the breakthrough that the Lord provided by by our being faithful to him. And more importantly, his, his being faithful to us, even when we didn't know he was there. Yeah. And you know what you made me really create an awareness for, for myself and bless nation. I don't know if you're seeing this in your own life, but I think about how my kids or kid, how my child is drawing me to God. The thing, the things that they're doing, the struggles that they're going through, because you know, as a parent, as a healthy parent, there's nothing that you won't do for your child. And so if there's nothing, and I think about you, Sharon, if there's nothing that you won't do for your child, you went to church, so to speak, for your child, because God was connecting with Michael. And so you went to church for him, and then God wanted to connect with you. And God sounds like he wanted to prepare you and your husband and Michael uh, for the next season in your life. So I, I love that you're committed to stepping in for your child and providing him what he needs. And you know, it, that's what God would do, right? I mean, God loves us so much. He wants an opportunity to do a work in our life. And I see that you did that same kind of work for your son in his life. What a season that that must have been as you guys got to grow spiritually together as a family with God. It was it was just an incredible process because even as I was, um, I homeschooled Michael through his middle school years. And that was when we got into scripture, which I had not really been exposed to because we don't do that as Catholics in, in the same way. And uh, I can remember, you know, we had to do Bible studies and, I, and I'd prepare and sit down and Michael would say, Mom, I already know this. And I think, well, how, how could you possibly, because I haven't taught it to you. Well, he was learning it at church and was actually ahead of me. And uh, <laughs> when I do keynotes now, you know, I, I always speak about my son whenever I speak. And it was a difficult transition after his passing because I, I didn't quite know how to speak about him in a way that the audience could handle the the end result. You know, I always told a lot of funny stories and people, people loved hearing about Michael, but now I have to say, you know, he's passed. And I, the first few keynotes I did, I saw the audience just fall flat. Like they couldn't deal with it. Yeah. So I learned to mix the joy of Michael and the stories with the reality of Michael, but more importantly, that the spiritual component uh, seemed to really be important. And I, I wanted, I used to tell a joke, I still do, I, I joke about, you know, Michael getting to the pearly gates and, and St. Peter being there saying, what took you so long? You were supposed to be here at the age of two, not at 27. And and Michael saying, I'm sorry, I'm late, but my mother was a lot of work. And uh, <laughs> it, it took us longer than I could have expected because it was really true. I, I really felt like my son was leading us to God um, and he was the spiritual leader in many ways always a bit ahead of my husband and I. And um, it, it was all just such a preparation for life without him. Yeah. You know, it's, it's just hard to even put into words how God has been so present. But when, when you talk about uh, those final days, I can recall one day where I was literally in the ICU waiting room in his last uh, moments, and I was on my knees, face down on a pillow, sobbing, and I had been studying in, in deep in scripture that whole morning on uh, the Ephesians, you know, putting on the armor for God. Mm -hmm. 
And and then I literally heard the, the, the Lord speak to me in my heart and say, you have been an intercessor on his behalf his entire life. Now I'm asking you to give him back to me. You intercede, you take on the suffering so he no longer has to and give him back to me. And I remember just sitting up and it was it was literally like it was a loudspeaker in my heart. And I went, okay, I know what I need to do now. And so we began to prepare, you know, for his, his final uh, transition. And um, what I can say about that for, for your listeners is I did not know at the time, but the result of my being obedient in that moment would pay dividends through the transition, the mourning and the grieving period in ways that I never could have imagined. And I learned the true meaning of obedience at probably the deepest, most profound level level I had ever experienced. Wow. So the obedience aspect of it prepared you for that next season of your life. Exactly. And, and I just kept feeling the presence of the Lord carrying me, carrying me. And I can, I can share one, one quick other moment where um, after Michael died, I used to get up every morning and go into scripture and I would journal to Michael. Uh, just a letter to him. And one morning I was sitting um, and I was overcome and just my head and hands sobbing. And I felt um, a covering over me. Just, I can't even describe it. All of a sudden I realized I was at peace. And I remember the covering being so profound that I literally looked up expecting to see something over me. Um, And from that moment on, I was at peace. You know, Michael's been gone now almost nine years. And I miss him, of course, as a mother, you know, yesterday, um, you know, of course, Mother's Day, you miss always. But um, the peace, was it the Holy Spirit? Was it my son's spirit? Was it an angel, as some might say? I don't don't know what what it was, but it was definitely a, a spiritual presence that just calmed and stilled my heart in a way that I know I didn't make it up. You know, you know, you know, you know, you know that God is in the room and, um, I I felt like later I I came to think that that was from my just really submitting to God's will. And I was, I was never angry. I, I just knew this is what God has called us to do and to let go. And we did. And, um, it's just amazing when God shows up in your heart like that, isn't it? It is amazing. And I think it's a, it's a twofold opportunity. Oftentimes God just shows up period and you get his peace. And oftentimes what, and this is the other part that you alluded to is that our obedience to his truth, to his word opens the door to a more abundant peace. And I see both of those parallels. Sounds like you were just covered in his peace. Exactly. Uh, and praise God. And you know, that peace is so liberating because in a, in a story of struggle, in a season of difficulty, we can, we can know that there is an opportunity that joy comes in the morning. And that story that you shared is kind of a blend of struggle. And like you said, and also a a revealing of hope. And so I want to kind of come in on the coattails of this story of hope, because we do know that joy comes in the morning and praise God for that. But I want to ask you if you would share with us a time when, when your faith actually positioned you for a renewed hope and maybe, if you want to talk more about this, 
uh, oppor- you know, that we we're just talking about with Michael, that's fine. Or if it leads into another opportunity of, of breakthrough, that's fine. But would your faith position you for a renewed hope and, and maybe even a breakthrough? Would you share a story like that with us? Yeah. And I think it's because for me, it's a process. Um, there was a period after, you know, I went into a PhD program after Michael passed and um, it was something I had been <clears throat> leaning into for a long time and been accepted and long story short, couldn't get there because of hurricanes. And then Michael got ill and I literally was uh, completing the application again um, when I got the call that, you know, he was going back into the hospital because he had, he had moved out and wasn't living with us at that point. And um, so I did the PhD program after he passed and that, that was kind of the, the thing that kept me going you know, my business, my clients, the PhD program, I'm one that will tend to fill my life up, you know, and, and so that filled the emptiness those first few years that, that Michael was gone. Um, but then the day of graduation, I graduated in Washington, D.C., and I remember walking out of the graduation setting and looking at my husband and saying, oh, my gosh, for the first time in 30 years, I'm not in school and I'm not a mother. Now what? Yeah. So there was this identity crisis that kind of hit me, but then, and and I felt like a silence from God. Like I'm always so clear on what I'm supposed to do. And all of a sudden I had no direction. I didn't know what I was supposed to do because you're completely different after a PhD. You've learned and changed in a million ways. And then of of course the grieving process on top of that. And so I hear I'm this completely different person and I have no idea what God is calling me to do. So, so in response to your question, the breakthrough was just being still and getting up every day and being obedient again to whatever he put in front of me. And then it took a while, but eventually it all started to come together. And so the breakthrough, the hope, the victory, the renewal um, was crystallized in kind of just being in the desert, knowing that he was walking there with me. Um, and patiently waiting for him to reveal my next course and where I'm, where I was to be. And so that is where I am now. It's, it's the work that I'm doing as an integral coach. It's the research that I'm doing as a scholar practitioner. It's the leadership involvement that I have at my church. Um, we have a ministry, uh, a disability ministry. We have a, the Michael Spano foundation where we raise money to help families who have children with disabilities uh, be more active and inclusive in the community and I, I, my life is so full, but everything is centered around what God is calling me to do uh, in the lives of others. Okay, so you, just this little point, uh, th- there's so much that we can unpack here. So, because there's lots of stuff that happened that got you to where you were, you know, when you said, all right, what is God calling me to do to where you are? So, if someone is listening to this and you know, we're all going through stuff. It may be, it may be just a transition in our life. It could be something as significant as the loss of a loved one. could be a change in a career. could be a new marriage. It could be the end of a marriage. I mean, there's just so many different things, but when someone is moving through life and it's quiet, it's crickets. And they're like, all right, all right, God, what are you calling me to do? How did you move in your life? When God was quiet in your life, how, how do you how, how'd you keep going and what did you do to keep going? 
Well, I think for me, the, the, the challenge was that I'm, I have a lot of passion about a lot of things and I always knew my purpose. And so then when that was no longer obvious to me, um, it's, you know, it's very unsettling. And so I just stayed the course, you know, I stayed uh, prayerfully in scripture every morning, uh, journaling, you know, I, I even did an eight month retreat uh, through a local Catholic church, which was a big stretch for me on the Ignatian way, because I needed help in getting um, just more contemplative. So I, and, and, and let me just say too, Jay, that it wasn't that I wasn't just hearing God, I was, I was, I think when you're in a grieving process, you know, there's a tendency to shut down your emotions to survive. So I wasn't experiencing connection with anything or anyone. Okay. So I, I just stayed the course with what I knew to do, which was to stay in scripture and, and listen. And even though um, I wasn't hearing anything, you know, I knew he was there because he'd already shown that to me uh, in my little sabbatical from the church in general. Uh, and when Michael brought me back. So, uh, you know, I have certain practices and things that I do, and I'm always going to things like seminars and, you know, retreats. I, I, I've just been one that's always been about growth and development, which is, you know, why it's my field, I guess. It's a natural place for me to go. And uh, so I was doing it on many levels. You know, we, we talk about in my field, there's 26 lines of development. And in my practice, we focus on the main six. And one of them is spiritual. Of course, there's moral and interpersonal and emotional and all those. So I tend to do work on those lines of development across the board. So it's never just one. And uh, I do them in a variety of ways. But but that's how um, I kind of, you know, got through the quicksand, if you will. And then And then I started to experience joy again and started to hear the Lord again and started to connect with friends and family again, but I'm still a work in progress. I mean, I think we, we all are because um, life circumstances continue to hit us right on a daily basis. Yeah. yeah. One of the things that I used to always say to my audiences is, you know, life really is nothing more than a series of circumstances. And many of them we can choose and many of them we can't, they just hit us. I certainly never prepared to have a child with a uh, life threatening metabolic disorder. So we don't have choices sometimes about what hits us, but we do always have a choice about how we think about them and how we make meaning of them. And so Michael to us was just God's greatest blessing on so many levels. And the, and we constantly um, speak into that of, of like the people we've met and the place, everything I've done in my career was a result of having this child. Because my whole career started in legislative advocacy and, and, and advocating and writing for people with disabilities. That's how I started. And, um, and then it, it grew, it, you know, kind of morphed into a speaking career, a consulting career, a coaching career. You know, the research that I've done around time and money, uh, you know, everything came from this one little being that God blessed me with that continues to impact our lives and the lives of people in our community. It's just, I think our children are just such a gift because they all impact lives, you know, and um, there's so, there's such a sacred thing about being a parent and the responsibility of rearing a child in a godly way. Yeah, it, there sure is. And isn't it, you know, when you stop and look back, into the seasons that have made up all the little things that we've talked about to right now in your life. Isn't it amazing to see how God's hand can make good 
out of so much. Oh, yeah. And, and that, that I think, is, is to me the biggest lesson is, you know, we know that in Scripture that all things, uh, you know, come are for the greater good to those who love him. But I think that's part of my work is helping people, you know, adult development is about making meaning, as I said earlier. So we, we have to make a choice and come to some understanding about the complexity of life, no matter what it is that's going on. Uh, you know, we just look at our society in general right now and what's even happening in our own country and the complexities of that and the division that has you know, risen up. And I want to be a part of a conversation where we can love one another and not fear and hate one another. And I think many of us are in that place right now, and it's never been more crucial I mean, I, I feel because we're a global society, it's never been more crucial. And we have such a unique opportunity to make a difference in the world by the, uh, the, the biblical premises that we live by and from. But I think we have to do it in a way that opens doors and opens conversations. We haven't done that very well as a Christian community, as you and I were, were saying earlier, and, and I jokingly said, you know, I think we need to rebrand Christianity and, and get back to the basis of, basics of who Jesus was, because I think a lot of the legalism that we've fallen into in, in, in many places has um, caused people to think that we're not who we say we are. And it's just a complex process of our own spiritual growth and development. And that's that's the, the container that I want to hold for other people to know you can you can you can come to me with anything that's going on in your life. I know you do that as a coach as well. And I'm not going to judge you. I'm going to be here to help you maximize who God has called you to be. Yeah, and you know what, Sharon, I think that's not I think. I mean, scripture tells us that's how Jesus, you know, as the master coach. <laughs> I mean, that's how he did. I just think of the woman at the well. I not the woman at the well, but the woman who was caught in adultery. Right. You know, they brought her in and can you imagine from a secular standpoint what a what a man or woman of the flesh the conversations they would have had with that woman but instead you know jesus didn't do it the worldly way he basically said i'm i'm not you know they didn't throw any stones at you i'm not throwing any stones at you um here's my advice i don't do it anymore and um and go about your go about your way (laughs) you know turn away and sin no more and, and but there was no judgment. There was love. It was like he was wrapping his arms around her and said, "I love you in spite of all your shortcomings." Um, and isn't that a good coach? I mean, I think that's an that's that's part of the job of a good coach. Well, and I think you know we're facing this right now in Orlando because we're coming upon the Pulse uh, Massacre anniversary, and we're ha- having a forum actually this week on the LGBTQ community and the role of the church in that community. So it's very complex and. And I, I just don't have the bandwidth for it. You know, I, I feel like I cannot stand in a conversation of judgment because people are at so many different places across our world today that the only thing I know to do is to go to what Jesus did and extend extend my hand and my heart and, and hope that I can make a difference for people. Um, but it's it's a time where I think the church is going to start dividing on many of these things because we all have different perspectives about it. And it's it's too it's so complex. I mean, I literally in my mind, I go, I, I, I don't know what to say or, you know, the biblical scholars know what they know. And I, I lean on them. I lean on my pastor to give me guidance in these areas. And we're having this big thing at my church on Thursday. And 
My pastor is going to be on NPR this week about it. And, and um, my message to the people that are coming to me is let's just look at what Jesus did and, yeah. and do the best we can to love one another. Because if we're talking about sin, you know, scripture is very clear. Sin is sin. And none of us, you know, as one of my pastors said years ago, it really had an impact on me. Uh, Christians are nothing more than sinners on their knees, right? So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> none of us, none of us are clean enough to, you know, it's, it's look at the log in my own eye, I guess is what I'm saying. That's all I know to do. All right, Sharon. Well, I see that this staying the course and making these intentional decisions to move through a season in our, in our life. I, I can see how scripture, because you said you just did the things that you knew to do. I can see how scripture can be one of those things that supports you in a season like this. And I think it's a perfect transition to our final pillar, which is talking about promises. So let me ask you, when you think of going through these different seasons that we've talked about in your stories, is there a particular promise that maybe then or maybe now that you've leaned on that has been a blessing in your life? Well, I think there are many, you know, when you talk about scripture, one of the things and I'll, I'll give you a specific script, scripture that ties into the work now. But one of the things that I've learned is that if I'm having trouble sleeping, because I happen to be a very good sleeper, uh, but the Lord's often will wake me up when I'm in specific seasons of transition, let's say, and it'll be like between three and four a.m. And I know many people have that experience. And I used to lay there arguing, like, can we do this at seven kind of thing? Um, but I've learned to get up and go into scripture because it never fails that there is something that will just, you know, literally I'll just open the book and there'll be a scripture that will jump out at me um, that tells me what I need to know, what the Lord wants me to know. And, and sometimes it's like a word, like maybe I'll be, I'll be compelled to read, you know, everything in scripture on, um, you know, forgiveness or something, you know, right. and I'll get this big revelation. So, so that's one, one of the things that I've learned to honor that God has promised me that he will reveal himself to me in scripture overall. So I pay attention for when he calls me, uh, even if it's at three or four in the morning. But but then in, in terms of the work that I'm doing right now uh, around the pursuit of time and money and the research that I'm doing, you know, I just keep leaning on Matthew 21 for where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. And I think it's so important because what I'm seeing as the pace picks up in our lives is how easy it is for people to get caught up in the success and the busyness of life. And, you know, miss uh, what what it is we're really supposed to be doing around the people we love and care about. And I don't mean that as a, as a judgment, uh, because certainly I've been there myself, but it's, it's more about let's just call attention to, um, you know, where we're putting our time and money, because mm -hmm. it, to me, it's a real indicator of what really matters to me. And everything from, you know, how do we tithe to, you know, am I sitting at a dinner table, as I see way too often in a restaurant where the mom is on the, she's on Facebook or whatever on her phone the whole time. I saw it yesterday. Um, and the children are sitting there just bored, you know, trying to entertain themselves. When there is such an opportunity at a meal, right? Jesus did so much around the table. Right. Uh, there's an opportunity for us to connect um, with our loved ones and be fully present with them. So um, I'm, I'm looking at that a lot in my own life 
as well as in the lives of my clients and, um, and certainly through the book and the conversation that I want to open up there. I can definitely see how that, that verse in Matthew, it supports you on where you are in this season of your life with your, with your book and your coaching practice. And that is being focused and being intentional about everything you do in your life. Yes. I mean, I, I, I'm not, I'm not perfect at it by any stretch of the imagination, but I, I live by something called intentional congruence to the best of my ability. And it's something I'm always reevaluating. Yeah. I like that too. That's something that, uh, that intentionality trying to, uh, not be, not let my subconscious have its way, but to purposefully move and think and live in a way that lines myself up with the results that I truly want out of my life, um, is something that's near and dear and on my heart these days as well. So I, I can definitely relate to that. Well, you know, the, the promises that we have in scripture are those things that we can stand on in good times and in bad, because they, they don't waver whether they're 2000 years old or whether they're, you know, two days old for us. If it's the first time we've read them, the benefit is the same. And I'm, I'm grateful that you shared that scripture with us. And before we move into kind of some nuggets of wisdom, I want to check in with our, with our audience here and bless nation. I've hope, I hope you've enjoyed the show so far. I mean, Sharon has just shared so much with us um, and been such a blessing to us. And I want to give you an opportunity, Bless Nation, to always be part of this community in the way that is is tugging on your heart, in a way that is aligning itself with your heart. And so I want to give you an opportunity, something that we just started doing here at the show, and that is to to allow you to support the show. So I know that we've Many of you have supported the show with ratings and reviews and send kind emails. And I ask that you would continue to do that because that truly helps us to not only allow other folks to see how this show is impacting your life, but it confirms the work that we're doing here. You know, another way that you can support the show is simply an opportunity to share and to give. As you know, your Blessed Life Ministries is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. And what that simply means is you have an opportunity to support the show financially. And if that is something that is on your heart, if that is something that you're open to doing, I want to give you that opportunity and ask you to share that part of you with us. And it's simple to do. You can just go to the website. It's yourblessedlife.com, yourblessedlife.com. And we have a, a donate button there and you can enter any amount that's on your heart. And if that's something that you decide to do, um, I want to thank you in advance for doing it. So I just wanted to share that with you, Blessed Nation, as we roll into the kind of the nugget of wisdom round. And this is one of my favorite rounds because it 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 really got its life from the book of Proverbs. You know, the book of Proverbs, Sharon, is to me one of those most actionable books in the Bible. It's just practical, actionable. Um, and so that's why I wanted to ask you as our guest for today's show about some nuggets of wisdom that are in your life in the form of questions. So I have a couple of questions, Sharon, that I want to share with you, um, that you can share some nuggets of wisdom in your own life. And the first one is this big or small. Would you share with us one thing that's on your heart right now that you're grateful for and that you're praising God for? 
Wow, there's so many things, Jay, but I would say what comes to mind off the top of my head is you and this show and the work that you're doing. Because as I said to you uh, in an earlier conversation, you know, the world is becoming more and more about what's happening online. And I feel that these conversations that you're engaging in um, are, are just so vital, not only to help people understand maybe what they're going through and where God is in the midst of all of that, but to give us the fortification that we need to fight the darkness that's out there. And uh, so that that's certainly one thing. Uh, the other would be uh, the work that God has blessed me with and the research that I'm doing around time and money, because I, again, want to open that conversation and, and help people uh, realize their maximum, their maximal potential within um, these two constructs that, in fact, affect us all daily. And right. everything that we do, we're making decisions all day long based on time and money. And we don't often even realize how uh, we can be in bondage to those two constructs. And there, and the thing about time and money that's so interesting to me is that it's it's both are, are abstract and concrete all at once, which is part of what adds to the complexity. And you would know better than I. I mean, money alone is mentioned in Scripture over 2,200 times, I believe. So so God knew that it was going to be a big thing in our lives. Yep. And that, um, and certainly, you know, the, the, the whole idea of eternity affects time. And what are we doing on, on this earth, uh, you know, to build the kingdom for all eternity. So um, I feel really blessed um, that he's laid this work on my heart and that I get to play in this sandbox. And I'm glad I got to play in it with you today. Yeah, I am too. And you know, that's a that's such a, a a perfect transition to this next question because it's like you set it up and you don't even know what I'm gonna ask you. <laughs> but but it's this. So you talked about living out in our lives in a kingdom way is really what you're saying. So when you think about that in your day to day walk, share share with us something, sharing one thing that you like to do to be a blessing to other people. I think um well, my, I consider myself a minister in the marketplace, so everything I do in my work is geared towards that. Uh, what I'm trying to be better, because I, I am a, a workaholic and I can get very caught up in my work and, and miss opportunities to connect if, if I'm not careful. Um, so I am trying to come more from a place of compassion and curiosity and, and connection so that everywhere I go all day long, even if it's, you know, the, the, the guy who's bagging my groceries, I am extending the hand of Christ to the best of my ability. I'm not just getting through the task and moving on in a rush. And um, I'm, I'm also, the curiosity part is about me standing in a place of being open to where people are rather than, because my training is to come in and, you know, assess yeah. You know, the holes in the system. So I, so I naturally have a, a critical way of viewing things that I'm trying not to bring into my personal relationships or even my casual relationships. So curiosity is helping me avoid that potential to, to see things um, in, a, in a dualistic way. So you said three things. I've got curiosity and connection. What was the third thing? Um, compassion. Compassion. Okay. That's part of, you know, in the book, I talk about the cycle of freedom and compassion yeah. is a big, a big piece of that. Yeah. Well, speaking of book that, that really leads into my next question for you. And I know you've got a bunch of cool things going on in your life right now, but if you had to nail it down to one thing that has just really got you fired up in your life right now, what would it be? 
<laughs> these one thing questions are difficult for me because there's so many. But again, the book, uh, you know, the pursuit of time and money is about helping people uh, realize a meaningful, prosperous life. It's not about managing time and money. And so what I'm loving is how God has revealed to me this cycle of freedom and given me the courage to step into a conversation around stewardship and what it really means uh, to build a sustainable business and a meaningful, prosperous life. And I'm very excited about it because um, even within my integral coaching work, I'm seeing huge progress in terms of how my clients are shifting, how they do business, how they live their lives, how they make time for their their loved ones. Um, I just feel like it's it's a container for a lot of healing to occur on many, many levels. And I feel very blessed and honored to be a part of uh, the conversation and to maybe even be a catalyst for that conversation. Well, I am too. And I'm excited that we're going to get to have another conversation in blessed nation. This conversation that Sharon and I are going to have is we're really going to take a deep dive into this whole idea about time and money from a mindset standpoint, like, like Sharon was saying, not from a manage money management. We'll, we'll leave that to uh, the, the financial, the certified financial planners, but from a mindset, from a thought, from a behavior context. And so Sharon has agreed when her book comes out, it's going to be, your book comes out in mid August. Is that right? It comes out. The pub date is August 2nd, but we have uh, availability or potential for pre-orders now. In fact, we're encouraging that. So um, yeah, that's the next step. Well, Sharon and I are going to come back together and we're going to talk about a few things that will allow us to really prepare our mind and our heart so that it's in alignment with the decisions that we make about time and money. And I look forward to having that conversation. And I'm excited that we got the opportunity today to connect really on a personal level, because when we have that conversation next time, I really want folks to know who you are, Sharon. I want them to know about the, the, the tough times, the good times and the walk in Christ that you've had so far. So I'm excited that we've had this opportunity to connect, but I want to have one more question for you. And it has to do with connect. So if listeners are hearing you for the first time and they're like, you know, Sharon is a very interesting person. I'd like to know more about Sharon. How do folks connect with you? Where do they find you, Sharon? Well, clearly my website, SharonSpano.com. And if they want to know more about the book, we have a, a microsite link to that. But they could also go to the TimeMoneyBook.com and uh, learn more about that. We have a lot of information that would help them, you know, understand where that book is intended to go and how they might pre-order or participate in some of the opportunities that are associated with it. Okay, cool. Well, I will be sure, Bless Nation, to put links on both of those on the on the website. So if you're out and about and you can't go straight to Sharon's site right now, you'll have those links on the show notes at yourblesslife.com. So Sharon, it was, I know we're not done. We're just, we're out of time. <laughs> Well, I just so appreciate you and your enthusiasm. And again, the work that you're doing, Jay, very important. And I appreciate the opportunity to be on the show with you. It was very enjoyable. And I well, hope that your your listeners will find it interesting. Yeah, I, th I think they will. I really do. And that's why I had you on the show, because I think it's something that will connect with them. Um, and I know it's something that connects with me. So I appreciate you being on the show. And and Bless Nation, I, I'm grateful for you being on the sh on tuning in with us here today on the show that You've given myself and Sharon the opportunity to, to kind of be your guide and your coach uh, down this episode of Your Blessed Life. And I hope you enjoyed the episode. And if you did, I want to invite you to leave a review 
Um, if you listen to iTunes, you can just type in the search bar, Your Blessed Life. Even if you subscribe to the show already, you have to type in Your Blessed Life. And once you see the cover art, you can click on the cover art and you'll see the link. It says Rate and Review. So I would love to hear what you think. In fact, tell me what you think. So on the next episode, I can come back and share that with the community here at Your Blessed Life. So, Blessed Nation, thank you for tuning in today. I want you to remember until that next time that we get together that God loves you and he absolutely wants to bless you.